Have you ever dreamed of owning property somewhere sunny and beautiful all year round? A place where nature thrives and sunny beaches dominate the shores. A place that's just more pura vida. If so, you've come to the right place. We put the show together to help you break through the barriers of owning and investing Costa Rican real estate. We're here to provide the knowledge and tools to make it happen. This is the Breakthrough to Costa Rica podcast with your hosts, Rob Brake and Natasha Coltrero. Hello and welcome back everybody to the Breakthrough to Costa Rica podcast. We're happy to have you here again today with us. And Natasha is joining me again. Welcome, Natasha. How are you? Hey, Rob. I'm doing great. How are you doing? Very good. Very good. Excited for some more Costa Rican information. It's going to help everybody and hopefully get more people down here, more people buying and and uh, and learning about real estate in Costa Rica. So that's the goal. And uh, and we're happy to be here and sharing them with you. What uh, What's new with you, Natasha? Anything? I'm actually back in Ontario this week. I came up here for two weeks for Semana Santa, and I loved every minute of it. I got to see my family, spent some time at the lake, and then uh, I'm actually coming back tomorrow. So I, I think two weeks was just enough. I'm, I'm ready to come back home to Costa Rica. You got a little bit of snow while you were there? We saw some snow. I think my, fa- my tan is fading, so I'm due to come back. <laughs> and what about you? What's new with you, Rob? Just looking for the next deal, you know, I've, uh, we've been shopping around trying to figure out what to do next and checking the deals as they come across the desk and waiting for the right one. So I'm excited to move forward. I lost out on one that um, we were very interested in um, just last week. So, but uh, my fingers are still crossed. It'll come back to us. We've had that happen more times than one. So we'll see, but yeah, in the meantime, just waiting and watching. And uh, I mean, we may be a little preemptive here, but we we are going to organize an investor tour coming up soon. We don't have the details hashed out yet, but uh, in upcoming shows, we will be sharing all of that information with people, prices and ways that they can get involved and come down on the tour in person. Yes, I'm very excited to have some of our investor friends and, and colleagues come down and see what we're doing so that we can help them do the same thing. That's right. Let's go on to our guest. I'm excited to have Paul Arporta with us today. He is the founder of LTI Legal Studio. Since 2003, he has been assisting international clients with their real estate investments and purchases in Guanacaste. So thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So glad to have you here, Paul. Uh, now, for our listeners, can you tell us a little bit of background about yourself, um, who you are, and how you came to be a lawyer in Costa Rica? Of course. Well, um, I graduated uh, back in year 2000 from the biggest and oldest university in Costa Rica, the University of Costa Rica. Um, I actually started working with the big law firms in San Jose. I'm originally from the capital, from San Jose. And uh, that's where I learned to, you know, work with transnational companies and foreign investors. And um, then in 03, uh, one of our biggest clients uh, was, they, they asked, uh, and they're basically the carrier uh, AC company, you know, that is internationally known. 
and they told us, hey, guys, we're opening in Guanacaste. I'm, I'm talking about 2003. And, um, and we were like, you know, Guanacaste has always been a paradise where we live. Uh, but for us was back then just, you know, for Christmas vacation and spring break and stuff like that. You go to the beach with the family and that was it. I, I didn't see it at that moment, you know, the potential until this guys told us to open with them. So we came, I came with my, with my original partner back then and we did a little uh, research, you know, a little market study of which areas are, you know, that were the most convenient for us, you know, to, to start a law firm. And I remember uh, we went with this friends from this, this client, from this company uh, to Liberia, which is the capital of Guanacaste. They are still there. They're still very busy after all these years. Um, but then, you know, our, we were, we decided that we wanted to concentrate on the real estate market and the foreign investor, not really into the corporate market, even though we do a lot of corporate as well. But we were concentrated and we decided to provide a boutique service, you know, a specialized service to the clients. So we went to different areas. And uh, when we came to Tamarindo, we saw all these cranes and construction, a lot of things happening. And we said, we look at each other and we said, this is it. This is where we have to. And, you know, by the way, it turns out, you know, Tamarindo is a paradise, you know, so you can like, you know, you won't complain. So I moved back uh, permanently in 05 to Tamarindo. And since then I'm here, um, I'm married. I have two beautiful kids and uh, I live in paradise. So it's been a blessing guys, you know, all of my clients, I represent many, many clients from all over the world, mostly Canada and the US. But um, if you tell me a country, probably I have a client from there. And it's very interesting, so rich culturally, you know, the, the, the people that we know, we represent people from Africa, we represent people from uh, New Zealand, from Europe, everywhere, you know, and, and they come here and they say, Paul, this is our little hideaway, you know, this is our little piece of paradise where we can, you know, come and decompress and enjoy like many of my clients tell me, Paul, you know, come on, man, you know, you're yeah, like you work in the place that we've been dreaming about living, you know, and I was like, yeah, I'm a blessed man. I cannot complain. So, yeah, it's it's been a, a wonderful uh, time here in this area. We are super busy. We have, uh, you know, always very busy. Thank God. Uh, a lot of investors. I personally represent a lot of Canadians who so are very uh, familiar with uh, your legal systems. I'm always, uh, you know, in conversations with Canadian attorneys or Canadian accountants, you know, trying to do, you know, the tax planning or to coordinate the purchase of, um, of a property to the point that I have clients that they are owners of big companies in Canada and they moved, they relocated completely full-time in Costa Rica here in this area. And uh, it, it was uh, it was funny because one of them said, Paul, we want you to start coordinating our legal stuff in Canada. And I said, guys, I, I'm, I'm glad, you know, I'm, I'm super honored. But, uh, you know, I think that we better coordinate that with your Canadian attorneys. That's that's how um, that the type of relation I have with my clients. So it's been a blessing. Excellent. 
Yeah, and uh, and I'm one of your clients, Paul. So sure. just recently, we we purchased a piece of land in Brasilito and where we are building, and you helped us with that. So thank you so much for making that so smooth and so easy for us. No now, um, for the listeners, can you walk us through what the property sale looks like and your role in it? Of course. Um, the difference, I think, that with Canada and the U.S. Uh, is that in Costa Rica, the attorneys are also notary publics, okay? So like in my case, I, I went five years to law school and then one extra year to become a notary public because, you know, in Costa Rica, the systems are very similar, but the, the only few difference, is, this is one of them, okay? So the, this is the reason why an attorney has to be involved into a purchase of real estate or, or a car, uh, because as notary publics and attorneys, we are the ones in charge to transfer the titles, okay? We have something called the Costa Rican Public Registry in Costa Rica. It's a government institution that it's regulated by, um, by the Constitution of Costa Rica. And this institution basically keeps and holds all the titles of everything here. So properties, car, boats, trademarks, companies, everything is in there. This is a public database you can access from anywhere in the world, okay? Once you get to know a little bit of a Spanish and you have your password that it's free, you can access and see your title real, real time. So there's, this is there's a great- absolutely nothing behind the curtain. Exactly. You know, yeah. like everything's transparent, everything's clear. The government here, we take it very seriously. You, you guys as foreign investors have the same amount of rights and protections as I do as a Costa Rican citizen. There's no difference. Okay, so um, regarding that, because that's, and we, we will see that, you know, along the road, but I, I have that, that a lot of questions from my clients. They ask me, Paul, do I have to become a resident to have more benefits or to have more protection? No, it's, it's the same, the same amount of rights. Um, in the same amount of protection. So it's a very um, good environment to invest to the point that Costa Rica uh, became uh, the member of the, just recently last year, of the ACDI, that it's, you know, the organization for most developed economies around the world. And um, I'm talking about, you know, all the G7 economies are there, Canada, Japan, US, all countries, you know, that are most developed industrial economies. And we became the member, the last member of this organization. That it's a, a compliment for us because they are very high standards. They request the countries that belong to the OCDE to have very uh, you know, high standards. But at the same time, it's a great challenge for us as a country you know, to keep up with the best. You know? So we wanna be in the best. And in Latin America, only a few countries are members of this organization. And you have to go through so many filters. It took Costa Rica 10 years to get approved. So, you know, we have one of the, the main um, pillars of this institutions, for example, is the protection of the property rights, trademark rights, commercial rights, those type of things, you know, for, for foreign investors, for transnational companies, you know. So uh, Costa Rica takes that very seriously. So going back to the public registry, normally the process work, you know, you go, you go with a broker or by your own, you know, you see a property that you like, um, they, then they start the negotiation process, you know, like, okay, yeah, seller, buyer proposals. 
And then it, it's going to be, we're going to prepare a purchase and sale agreement. It's kind of a pre-contract where the you know initial terms and conditions will be indicated, like price, when are we going to do the closing, conditions, due diligence. We perform a detailed due diligence, like in, like in Canada and the U.S. as well. So basically, if it's a property, it's a lot, we send our topographers, we have uh, in-house topographers that they go and they confirm that there are no encroachments, that there are no issues, overlap, stuff like that. Then we do the legal due diligence. That's basically that we confirm that the title is free and clear, that um, there's no issues with the title, that the seller can sell, that there are no mortgages or claims, you know. We prepare at the end of the due diligence term, and normally it's 30 days, depending on the property and depending on the complexity of the property. But normally, let's say it's 30 days. And um, we prepare a report in English to the client indicating our findings and our conclusions and our recommendations. Um, 98, 99% of the time, everything's good to go because we only recommend the clients to purchase, you know, bulletproof as we call it properties you know not not things that are complicated or anything like that uh, so so most of the time the process is very smooth it's very easy very transparent that happened with with you guys natasha you know so it's 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 a it's a simple process obviously we guide the client through the process right at the end the closing is it's fairly simple prior to closing we recommend to form a costa rican entity a costa rican llc um, that we can we can form the company in two days. Everything is digital in Costa Rica, so it's very simple. Um, and we will transfer the title at closing to your new entity. Why we recommend that? Well, because you know, since you guys are foreign investors, it's easier to work in Costa Rica with a Costa Rican entity, you know, rather than in your personal names, even though you can put the property into your personal name. That's not a problem at all. But you know, it's easier when you open a bank account, for example, at the bank to use a Costa Rican entity. It's easier to uh, work with the already uh, you know, Costa Rican entity for requests with the government, for example, okay? But um, I have clients that they decide you know, to have it in their personal names and that's not, not a problem at all. We can do that too. Um, at closing, it's, it's very simple. We will prepare a transfer deed here in my office. The sellers will come. Uh, we, the buyers are more than welcome to be here at closing so we can celebrate. But uh, I'm afraid that 95% of my clients cannot make it for closing. So we <laughs> represent them. <laughs> yeah. do, do, you, do you celebrate without them? I celebrate. Yeah, as you know, we do the Zoom, we show them everything. So um, that's most of the time what happened. We, rec we represent the clients at closing here with a limited special power of attorney. And uh, right at the end, we provide a closing package to our clients with copies of all the title, the documents from the transaction. So it's very smooth uh, and uh, very simple process, really. I got a couple of things to comment on in there. Now, you mentioned 30 days being uh, average, and that was for the due diligence period, which I find is like the huge difference between between um, here in Canada is mm -hmm. that the, the diligence period is up, usually up to 30 days. And uh -huh. that is to to do inspections on the like for the buyer to do the inspections. But 
also for you guys to do all of your checks. And it's sort of an all-encompassing due diligence clause rather than like very specific clauses like we would have in ours, like one for financing, one for uh, inspections and all of that. This, this encompasses everything. And it's quite, quite an extensive period of time. So it's very, very safe. There's a lot of, um, a lot of moving parts here too, but also I think that that adds an extra step of security for people here who you know, don't necessarily know the ins and outs, but that is a lot of time to take in and understand what, what you're doing. Of course, of course. And then the other thing that I wanted to ask you was, um, what about the utilities? Because that seems to be something that is overlooked a lot of times in the closing process. And then all of a sudden, maybe the water gets shut off and they're like, oh, wait a minute, what's going on? Like, you know, didn't that get transferred? So do you guys handle that too? Yes, yes. Uh, at closing, you know, I, it, we have different clients that they say, Paul, we'll handle it. A lot of my clients have a property manager that's very common here. And the property manager will handle, I will just prepare the closing, uh, the, I'm sorry, the legal documents for them to go to the different entities so they can update the amenities. Um, and sometimes we do it for the client. You know, it, 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 we are here to help the client, to make it easier for the client. So if the client doesn't have a property manager, for example, or they, they're not in the country to handle that, um, we're more than glad, well, you know, our staff members can go and, you know, issue, we issue limited special power of attorneys for that specific matter only. So, you know, and it's simple because we work all this. Let's say that the investor is not in Costa Rica. You guys are in Canada. We prepare a proxy letter. We send it by email to you guys. You guys sign it um, and then send it back to us by email. No need for formal authorizations or anything like that. And with that authorization, we can issue powers of attorney in the corporate books of your company here. You know, that's the authorization that we can do it. Uh, and we perform the update, of course. And can you also do it if somebody is buying in their personal names or it has to be under corporation? Well, if that. that's one of the downsides of a personal name, if it's in a personal name, I cannot do the proxy. If it's in a personal name, I okay. they have to be here or issue a limited part of attorney while here, while they're in Costa Rica to us to do those type of things. They have to be present. That's the only downside. Okay. So we've mentioned a couple of reasons why it's uh, there's an advantage of buying in a corporation. So let's dig into that a little bit more. One of the things you said was so that they could work potentially here. The other you mentioned was um, it's much easier to open a bank account. And then of course, um, what we just mentioned there a second ago. So let's let's talk a little bit more. Is there, is there other advantages? Sure, sure. Well, please let me clarify. Um, not really. I mean, the fact that you own a company in Costa Rica does not allow you to work legally in Costa Rica, only in certain circumstances. Like if you're running a business, you can be at the business, you know, as the owner or manager. So that, that wouldn't be a problem. Now, the, the advantages of owning a Costa Rican company are, are a few, but I, I would say the main reasons is liability, you know, liability is the first reason that I recommend. One of my clients, a dear client from Texas, he says, Paul, this is a, uh, it's a policy insurance for me, okay? Because if you put it in your personal name, which is fine, but if you're renting a car, God forbid there's an accident or something happens, people 
can try to go after your assets that you own in your personal name. Okay, so um, that's something, you know, attorneys, we think about trying to prevent the worst case scenario. Uh, so that's one of the things that we, we recommend our clients, you know, to protect uh, the, the assets by having a company because, you know, the company will be two separate entities. And even if you have a, a circumstance or an accident or something, um, they cannot go after the asset. Okay, so it's a protection. You know, we, we are giving protection to the asset. So the first one is liability. The second one is for practical reasons. What we just said about um, updating the amenities is the, the perfect case. You know, like the people that own in their personal names the assets, which is fine, but they would have to leave a power of attorney here when they're here. Otherwise, we cannot do it by email, you know, because some institutions will require an official signed document by the person. It cannot be a proxy or photocopy or email. You know, so that's that's that that's another reason. The the third reason I would say also confidentiality purposes, the public register is public. Everyone can know, you know, like what you own, what you have. And all of my clients are most of them are um, baby boomers. You know, it's like people that uh, actually young people like you guys, Natasha, uh, it, it, it's, it's not the, the, the most, uh, you know, amount of clients that I have. Most of the people that come here is baby boomers, you know? So um, they say, Paul, I pay my dues, I pay my taxes, but I don't want to show the world that I own in Costa Rica either, you know? So having an entity, it gives you protection on the confidentiality level, you know? And there are other reasons as well, you know, that make sense to, like what we were saying about opening a bank account is way easier. Um, I had a situation with a client that, uh, he thought that uh, Scotiabank that we have here for many years, it was the same as in Canada, but they were not connected and they opened it into their personal name and it was a nightmare. They, they said, they were, they were telling me, Paul, they're asking me all these documents from Canada. Like I thought that they were connected and I said, I'm afraid not, they're not. So if you have a Costa Rican entity, it will be way easier because it's formed here, you know, so we can issue all documents to the bank and make the processes smoother. One thing I'd like to add in there is that before we had a Costa Rican bank account, I was going to the bank every month and standing in line for two hours to pay those utility bills. So that was a real pain. And only with that Costa Rican bank account was I able to pay those bills online. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good point. I would not want to do that. <laughs> I, I I actually had other I actually had other people look after them for me until my bank account was set up because yeah. oh my gosh Natasha to stand in that line that <laughs> is agonizing it's such a pain mm -hmm. um, okay so we we already talked about what you look for in the due diligence period is there anything else worth mentioning there uh, well, basically what we concentrate is on the technical side and the legal side. So we see the legal side. Uh, what we do is that we go backwards, you know, to origins of the property to see how it was titled. And if, there, if we find something that was not correct or that it was reflected back in the days, but not now. So we can see all that. That's one of the tools of this public registry institution that um, we can see the entire history of one property. It's very interesting because, you know, I can go back to the Spanish 
uh, colonial, uh, you know, period in some properties that are super old, you know, like big farms that are super old. And, you know, when, uh, when you do the title search, for example, a few properties, there's a very close to where Natasha uh, purchased the property. Um, it's called Potrero, Potrero Beach. Um, and basically in Potrero, there's always a, it's super interesting because there's always this um, legal analysis about the Spanish crown title. So back in the uh, 1700s, you know, the Spanish uh, crown was giving you title and basically the title to your land was to up to where the water of the ocean touches the belly of your horse. So that would be up to where you own your property, okay? And there's some properties that were titled that way and some old families from this area, they keep those titles. So it's very interesting. And then the reason why I'm bringing this up is because you know I can see all that in the research that I do in the public registry. And when I go back you know, with the backgrounds of the property, then we bring, for example, if it's a house or it's a condominium, we have a certified architect Costa Rican architect that prepares reports in English and we send her to do the inspection. I would tell you, my friends, that you know, a topographic inspection and an architect architectural inspection are the best $400 you can spend in Costa Rica ever, you know? Because, you know, this is a country, it's very safe. The construction system is very safe. We follow the guidelines of Japan you know, because this is a seismic country, obviously, we've got some earthquakes, but, uh, you know, even with the big events that we had many years ago, nothing happened, you know, because we follow the same construction guidelines as Japan, so we're very safe. Um, but still, it's good to have an architect that can go and can check, you know, that everything's properly uh, working properly, that there's no issues with the structure, um, and if we find something, uh, we, the architect will recommend, for example, a structural engineer that will come and say, no, that's nothing. Or we have to do this and we have to address during due diligence with the seller. If it's something very drastic, I would say, don't buy, let's find something else, you know. But it's, it, it, you know, in 20 years doing this, I, I've said that just a couple of times, you know, uh, and not for construction problems, other problems, you know, water or something that you know we were not able to obtain so our priority it's always to protect the investor you know that's that's what we want to do we want to make you feel comfortable with your investment make you feel secure with your investment you know so because we think about developing long-term relationships i have clients here that they still come to my office 15 18 years later you know and they're still here and they're bringing me clients and they're like sending me people and and so it's 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 a great thing that we respect and we protect. Amazing. So so the topographer comes out and there's a discrepancy between like the 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 line the property lines or something like that. That's not a big deal. That can all be fixed. It can be fixed. Yeah, it can be fixed. Um, right now, you're gonna face compared to back in the days, um, Costa Rica enforced this new system called City. S-I-R-I. So basically city is, um, they used to, topographers, they did without GPS. I'm talking about the 80s and the 70s. You know, they did the measurements just with their equipment and that's it. But they tried to make all the surveys fit 
but uh, there was not a system that would put the puzzle together. That's what City is. So it's a digital system that put all the entire surveys together. And we have found now with this new system that there are some encroachments or some overlapping stuff like that, uh, that it's easy fix because it's like trying to put the puzzle together. Maybe they were like this. So we just have to move it like this, you know? So um, it's not problems with the measurements or with the boundaries itself. It's more like we have to talk to the neighbor next door, uh, trying to fix it. Uh, but it's not it's not common, you know. It's like uh, it's 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 actually rare. The system is very straightforward. Uh, there are no surprises. You shouldn't be having surprises here because the information is right there. It's very you know close to you to the investor. And um, but I recommend to do these procedures. Not don't buy anything without sending the inspectors or getting an attorney involved because you know that way we make sure you guys and investors will be protected. Now in your due diligence process, you're going to find all of the easements that are against a property. Can you mm -hmm. talk to us a little bit about that and when it's a concern? Sure. Um, it's very interesting and that's a great question. In, in Guanacaste, this area where we live, uh, there, this is used to be huge, cattle farms okay so when but i'm talking about thousands of hectares one farm okay so the original farm we call it the mother farm okay and let's say that in one of the boundaries of this mother farm there was a road and this guy formed a road easement with the neighbor next door what happens is that then this big mother farm was segregated, was subdivided into different pieces. Well, that easement was inherited. So you will find sometimes some actual easements into your title that will say road easement, and you see the road in front of your house, and uh, it says electrical or it says water easement, and that's because of that. But sometimes they go like, Paul, oh, what is this? You know. Uh, road is meant with protection of a river. There's no rivers here. What are you talking about? You know, it's like, well, it's because it's a very old easement that was inherited by the mother farm and it was never released from there. There's really not no need to remove it because it's like an old, uh, you know, inheritance from the big farm. It will not create any type of disturbance or will not create any type of limitation to your property rights. In fact, actually it will not even have an effect on the property because that, that was somewhere else. But that's a very good question, Natasha, because a lot of my clients, they ask for that. Uh, and in the title, all the it's very interesting because in the public registry, when you issue the, the title certificate, you'll see everything. You'll see the easements, you'll see the annotations, if there are mortgages, uh, if there are judicial claims, everything will be displayed in there. Excellent. Now, what about uh, if there, if you, if someone is buying a property in a gated community or in a private community, what about those HOA fees? Is that something that we can opt out of, or is that something that we have to have to uh, pay for? Yes, that's a great question. The, we have different systems, property systems in Costa Rica, okay? We have regular property systems, 
where you own your land and you paint your house as you want and you can do whatever you want. We have condominiums, like in Canada, where you have to follow the bylaws, okay? And you cannot change the facade or you cannot do modifications or paint the unit in a different color because the idea is to keep the unity, right? And we have hybrids where like where you purchase, you know, where it's a private land, but the idea was to do some sort of a CCNRs, you know, some sort of a bylaws in order to try to keep the, the harmony, you know, among all owners. So if you purchase into a condominium property, you have to obey the bylaws. Okay, you have to follow them because otherwise they can enforce a foreclosure if you don't do that. Like if I'm not paying my dues, I'm not, I'm, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I don't like this place. Well, in that event, the HOA can take legal actions and foreclose on your property. On a regular property, that would never happen because there is no HOA. But you have to be very careful to pay your property tax to the uh, local municipality, to the local county every year. I normally recommend to do it once in January, you know, so you go, so you don't have to be paying every three quarters or, you know, like you just go in January. That's my recommendation to my clients and go pay. If you cannot pay them, we can assist you. We can gladly assist you. I have uh, staff members here that that's what they do. They follow up the payment of the property taxes with the clients, stuff like that. And then we have the hybrid. You know, the hybrid is, well, we voluntarily decide to pay a yearly fee because we want to keep the place nice. And all the owners, you know, we want to put a gate and a guard and we want to have a nice garden that will put beautiful project like where you live, that it's a beautiful project. So it, th those are the three systems, you know, one is mandatory, the other doesn't exist in HOA fee, and the hybrid is more like a voluntary fee that uh, you want to pay every year because you want to see the project looking nice or safe. So you mentioned that there was only maybe like one or two or whatever, very few in 20 years times where the deal has actually fallen apart based on due diligence. <clears throat> so what circumstances would that be in? And then let's talk about uh, the deposit funds. When yes, it does. yes. Well, you know, mostly um, it's problems with the water, you know, like sometimes the client wants to, um, and these are, I'm talking about empty lots, you know, um, the government, when you want to start building, um, as Natasha's doing right now, will require something called, document called the water availability letter. In some areas of Guanacaste, there's no, unfortunately, the, you know, the water system, distribution system is not the same. Even though we have a national water board that regulates and water in Costa Rica is public. It's a public asset. So nobody can claim, oh, this is my well and this is just for me. The government can come and say, this is well, this water is public, it's for everybody, okay? Even though it's within your property. So it's not that they take the, the well out of your property, it's that you cannot 
have like uh, in other countries that uh, one of these transnational company comes and buy all the water and you have to buy water from this private entity. That can never happen in Costa Rica, okay? Because it's regulated by the constitution and it's public. Now, since this area is so beautiful and it's a paradise, sometimes due to the fact that it's rural, uh, you know, some, some people, some towns, they have to get together and try to make work, you know, the water situation. And that's what we face this type of problems, you know, like uh, in a very remote area where they cannot issue this document and probably the client wants to start building, you know, next week. And we have to wait a year for that document to be issued. Again, it's very rare, but it happens, you know, so, and that's what it's, that's the reason why the due diligence is very important. My recommendation is always try to buy or concentrate in areas that are not that remote, because, you know, the more remote you go, which is fine, you, know, you can buy, but there will be more concessions to make, okay? Wait for electricity or wait for water, because, you know, we're talking about very, like, you know, properties that are very, very rural. In these areas where we live in Tamarindo or where Natasha and Paul purchase, you know, it's it, those are residential areas. So you won't face any of those issues. Okay. <clears throat> and um, I feel like there was another part to that question, but I can't remember what it was right now. So, oh, the deposit. Oh, the deposit. Well, yeah. We have something that some Canadian clients are not familiar with, uh, some are, and we recommend to use them. It's the escrow companies, you know, it's something very common in the US. So basically it's uh, in Costa Rica, we're entitled, the attorneys were entitled to keep the deposits, but I don't do it because, you know, if you start keeping deposits from the clients, you have to be registered before the government and it's the same requirements as almost a bank, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, it's very complicated and it will be very expensive for my clients, you know, to, for me to take deposits because it's very regulated. So what we do is that we recommend these escrow companies that are companies that only do that. They take the deposit from the client, they keep the custody of the deposits and they follow the guidelines or the conditions of the agreements, okay, that the seller and the buyer sign. So during the due diligence, the, during those 30 days, normally the deposit is fully refundable. So if we find something that we don't like or something that needs to be fixed, but the seller won't fix it, the, the investor has the prerogative to say, Paul, no, I'm backing out and I want my deposit back. And we have done that even without having the property any issues. You know, I've got clients that for any other reason, they decided not to continue with the purchase. And they said, Paul, we're I'm during the due diligence. I don't want to continue. Please ask the ask for company to send my deposit back. And, and they did, you know, we work with companies that have been working with them for 20 years. Like um, there, there are a few of those companies that are reliable. And the, the idea of us and these companies is not, you know, to do one one deal or, or or keep you know a deposit. That's these companies are very careful about that. You know, respect that because the idea is to make the deal happen. You know, to actually make it happen, and that the investor will feel secure that his money has been you know well taken care. So um, 
that's that's all the cases I have successful, you know, releases of the funds. When, because you know, I have clients that they decided not to move forward with the purchase at the end. Um, so something that I would recommend you is that when and, and recommend the client is that when you are signing a purchase and sale agreement, uh, try to indicate that you can just, you know, get out of the deal for any reason. Uh, yeah, well, the property is fine, but you know what? I found something else somewhere else, you know, and I, I'm going to be out. So the, we call it the escape clause, and it's very important to have it because sometimes certain type of developers, especially, they said only if you find issues with the title, otherwise the deposit will not be released, mm -hmm. you know? So, but that's part of the negotiation process. It was just a little, a little tip. And then of course, yeah. And then of course it's up to them to decide if they come back, if the developer comes back with something like that, are you exactly. okay with, you know, not having an escape if there's nothing wrong with title? Exactly. Um, so you mentioned the escrow companies. How can someone pick, the, how does one pick the right escrow company in your opinion? It mostly, you know, are recommended by the attorney, uh, the company that you feel comfortable working with. In my case, I have companies in the US, I have companies local. So when my clients are international clients, it has happened that the seller is from the US and the buyers from Canada, we just leave the money in the US. So we don't bring it here for compliance purposes mostly because it's it's a little bit annoying to be honest with you, you know, for us, not for the client. Uh, we will require, uh, fortunately, a lot of sensitive documents to the client regarding, you know, the origin of the funds, if it, the money comes to Costa Rica, origin of the funds, the bank statement, sometimes letters of reference from your bank in Canada saying, you know, what do you do, the relation with the bank, those type of things. Because Costa Rica needs to follow the protocols, anti-money laundering international protocols. And, uh, and that's the reason why, but sometimes the bummer, you know, to ask the client for sensitive information that, you know, like, oh, can you send me the statements of your account? So sometimes what we do is that we use the escrows in the States, for example, um, as far as I know, Canada, it's not a standard or a common thing to do, but in the States we do it and we try to keep it simple for the clients. So you don't have to comply with all those things. Okay, so for the Canadians specifically, which is probably gonna be the majority of our audience, that's not necessarily, can they, um, use an American escrow company? Totally. Not a problem. We can okay. we do that a lot. We do that a lot. And uh, just just be careful with the conversion of the Canadian dollar to the US dollar thing. You know, make sure that you're talking about US dollars or, or Canadian dollars, depending. But just, just that's something that has to be definitely, uh, you know, make sure that it's very clear. Gotcha. Yeah, that's really important. Yes. Now, Paul, thinking back on the last almost 20 years of your business, what are some big mistakes that you see investors make? Well, unfortunately, the first mistake I've seen is not, and, and, and I don't want to say it this way, but uh, not hiring an attorney. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the reason for that is because sometimes you trust a friend and, you know, like, oh, yeah, we're going to do that. And I've seen people coming here with some random paper when they tell me, Paul, this is my title. And like, you know, can you make sure that everything? And I was like, this is just a paper, you know, like doesn't say anything. 
And not because the seller was a, a scam or, or anything like that. They didn't know, you know, like they didn't follow the, the protocols, the procedures. So my recommendation is always hire a professional, you know, always hire someone that knows, um, that has a good reputation. Something very important that I always do with my clients is like, take your time, like take your time, feel comfortable. Don't get, don't feel pushed out by anyone. Um, nor the brokers, not the attorney, you know, like if you all of a sudden you're having a lot of pressure from your attorney to buy something, be careful. Mm -hmm. That's not your guy, right? So the idea is that you have to run all the, per, you know, the, the proper studies and the research. And if the client feels comfortable, then you move forward with it, you know, but the, that's, that's the main mistake I've seen. Also, um, I like to work with, uh, I work with the most um, um, professional and, you know, recognized firms, uh, real estate firms here in the area. And um, I do deals in the entire Costa Rica area, not, not just Guanacaste where we are. I, I do a lot of things in other parts of the country as well, but I try to uh, use the most professional, you know, um, experts that can help in different uh, the different fields. So um, something that it's very important is to tell the the investor, you know, well, uh, think about it. I just had the situation with this, and I, I always like to give examples. I think it's the best way to explain a case. Um, I had this this client, you know, at the end, he's still looking for a property. Uh, they're from the states, but uh, they wanted to buy this nice home but very remote area and they wanted for rental pool purposes you know they said paul we want to move, put our money here and i said well you should think twice then because we're even though the house is beautiful um you're gonna put seven hundred thousand dollars in right in the jungle in the middle of nowhere where you don't you don't know if you're gonna have renters because this house is brand new you don't know how it's gonna behave you know like the market the rentals the road, you know, because the more uh, uh, rural it gets or the outback, you know, the all that it's for certain type of uh, clientele, not for everyone. Like if you're looking for a more uh, populated area with more amenities like Tamarindo, where we are, uh, then you have, you have, you know, the fancy grocery stores and you have um bars and you know restaurants and stuff like that that's going to create a lot of you know uh clients for the rentals not saying that in those remote areas wouldn't happen but that's what i told the client i said do your research i would recommend you to do a little more research about rentals you know in that area how it it works because it can be a problem, you know, right at the end, you buy something and it does not make it the numbers that you were thinking. But the problem was the original decision, what to buy and where to buy it, you know. So those are the main mistakes I've seen, guys, you know, like people that does not have proper guidance, professional guidance with the purchase. And also people that don't do a proper uh, market uh, study of what you're looking for because if you tell me paul no i just want to live right in the middle of the jungle i love it i want to hear the monkeys all day awesome you know like let's do it i'll help you out now but if you have a client that is looking for an intense 
uh, revenue of or flow of renters and and some of my clients make 300 or more thousand dollars a year just on rentals you know well if you're looking something like that a year you have to definitely do a study of the areas where you know all the people wants to be because not everybody is for the jungle or not everybody's for Tamarindo. I've got clients that they say where, where we are, no, no, that's too busy, too crowded. I like the more relaxed. I, I want to be close to a surfing spot. Well, they go to Playa Grande. The blessing of where we are is that we have, what, 10, 15 different beaches around this area that are, one is more beautiful than the other one and the other one's more exotic than the other one, you know, so all of a sudden you take a boat and you see the whales and all of a sudden you see the dolphins. And, you know, uh, like in my case, I tell the quality of life here, guys, is like my kids over the weekend, their concern is like, okay, daddy, okay, where are we going? Which beach are we going this time? <laughs> That's their biggest concern, you know, like, uh, okay, now we, well, we've been in Conchal, let's go to Flamingo. And now, okay, now let's go to the other one or let's explore because just in this north pacific area where we are there are more than 30 different like and, and there's this is these are the known areas right there are other that are private or you nobody goes there so it's it's really a treasure you know and uh, but my recommendation is that you have to be clear what you're looking for okay i want this as for you know as an escape as a hideaway property and if we can do some rentals, fine, to cover expenses. Or if you are really looking as a business opportunity to have some income, you know, well, you have to run the study. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for that, Paul. That was so informative and so valuable. I know that our listeners are going to really love all of that that you shared. Now, before we head out, we want to get to know you a little bit better. And so what we have is a quick Pura Vida round. So we've got a couple of very quick questions we're going to ask you. And we just want to get an idea of what your Pura Vida looks like. Okay. Rob, you want to start? Sure. I was hoping you didn't say the answer in that, that last thing you were talking about there. First question is, what is your favorite beach in CR? Oh, Whoa, that's a tough <laughs> These are one, tough. These friend. actually are tough. That's a tough one. You know, I would, I would have to say I have a, um, how do you call that, uh, in, in, in tennis, uh, the, a match point. Um, I, I'm afraid I have to say I love Conchal. It's my favorite. But at the same time, Flamingo, it has my heart. You know, so uh, if I have to pick, I would say Conchal, you know. Because Conchal is just like the beautiful beach that you have on the back of your TV right now, you know, it's just like that, you know, so and Natasha has been there and uh, it's what, 10 minutes walking distance from your house, Natasha, you know, so uh, and you get to a, a beach just like that, you know, it's, it's all this beautiful, you know, colors of the ocean and super white sand. It's called conchal because concha means shell. Okay. And the shell is kind of, how do you call that? Um, They're all broken into broken little pieces. Tiny yeah. pieces. So that's the reason why we call it conchal. And uh, Paul, I, I'm in Patrero right now. 
Oh, great. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I just I just put that up so that you, you know, to remind nice. myself. Nice. Um, no, uh, yeah, and Conchal, my only complaint about Conchal is that I get burned there. Like, I get a sunburn there faster than any other beach. It must just be the reflection off the, the reflection. shell or how clear the water is there or something. If that's my worst complaint, though, I guess it's not so bad. No, it's a beautiful beach. And uh, it's it looks like clear white sand, but it is. It's all just tiny little shell fragments. Just like Very that. Good. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. All right, what's the next one, guys? The next one is, what's your favorite local animal? Jawar. I love jaguars. Oh, Do you like actually seeing jaguars in, in real life, though? I love them. Yeah, I love pumas. I love big cats. I love your cats, by the way. They're all over there. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I love the big cats. Look at, look at them now. They're laying together. There you go. <laughs> uh, I, I love jowers. You know, if you have the opportunity, obviously, you know, those are very, uh, it's hard to see them on the nature, but uh, they're very in the deep, deep, deep forest. But uh, the times I've seen, you know, there's a place called uh, Diamante where they have, I don't know if you guys have been in Diamante, but uh, uh, the zoo, I love this, you know, and there's another, um, it's called the, uh, Las Pumas, and it's basically where they take all the pumas that are hurt, you know, along the road. It's in Cañas, you know, on the way between Liberia and San Jose. That's where my my wife is from, you know, and they take all these um, hurt animals to this sanctuary to try to, you know, uh, make it recover and put it back into the into the jungle. So I. I would have to say Jowers, definitely. It's a it's a great answer, but um, a friend of mine owns a restaurant in Tampate, and uh -huh. she was telling me that one morning the the workers called. She wasn't there, but the workers called and said there's a well, it was maybe a jaguar, whatever. They weren't one hundred percent sure, but it was on the hill right beside the restaurant. And now, I don't think I would want to see that. You know? <laughs> well, let me tell you, I, I, I like mountain bike. And, and as you know, uh, Las Catalinas, they have these uh, great trails. Mm -hmm. And a friend of mine saw so, uh, a puma, a puma right there. Yeah, right there. You know. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> it's part to live in the wildlife. <laughs> Number three. Okay. What is your favorite beat? Uh, sorry, ocean activity. Ocean activity. Um, I love being with the kids in general, but you know, paddleboard, I really like paddleboard, I would say. Yeah. That's a good one. And last question is, what is your favorite local restaurant? Wow. Yeah. I like, uh, there's so many and people are gonna get upset, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would say Coco Loco Flamingo. I really like Coco Loco, you know? Um, the owner is a friend and uh but i really love it because you know being in flamingo right right there at the beach you know having a coco loco is magical so i'm sure you guys go all the time as well so i love coco loco but there's so many that are so good right close to you guys uh um you know the patagonia del mar that it's our friend mauro and uh so many so many are so good yeah, see, the one thing I notice about that question is no one can just give one answer. Never. That won't happen. Tough. 
These are it's much harder not, than we thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah uh, it's harder because if you ask me, like, well, you like local food? Yeah, I can give you local food. Well, you, but one specific like that will win above yeah. all. I would say Coco Loco because of the setting. They have great food, but also the setting right there. You're right there at within, you know, at the sand. So yeah. doesn't get any better than that, you know. I would agree. One of my favorites as well. I'm not willing. I'm not willing to nail down my favorite one yet, though. <laughs> I couldn't do it either. Mm-hmm. Smart guy. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been excellent, and we're going to have you back to talk about some other topics uh, later on in the future episodes. But for now, I think we got a lot of really good information, and there was so many things, um, so many times where I wanted to interject and go like really deep into something. And I realized, oh. Maybe, maybe let's not do that. We got to sort of keep it at this level for now. It's yep. awesome information. And, uh, but I mean, there's so much more to it as well. Yeah. So appreciate yeah. all of this. Thank you for taking the time. It's my pleasure, guys. It's, it will be always a pleasure to be with you. Actually, thank you for inviting me. And um, yeah, there's so many other things that we can discuss. Again, my expertise is with foreign investors. You know, that's what we do. My entire law firm is dedicated only for, you know, uh, handle and make the life easier for our foreign investors, you know. I like it. We not only see the legal part, you know, our client called me at night, Paul, where do I take the kid? You know, he's got fever or uh, where do I put the kids to school or, you know, who's the best doctor? Where's the word of pediatrician? Uh, Is there a Walmart? It's, a, you know, so th- things mm. like that, uh, we help the clients. I need to buy a car. Well, I, the first thing I said, don't buy it here because, you know, I don't know how the suspension is going to be. You know, so those type of things is that where we give the entire package to the client, not just the purchase of the real estate, but we try to help the investor to make the transition easier. Dealing with Paul and Natasha was super simple because you guys are really on top of things, you know. But most of my clients, they don't have an idea of, you know, anything and they don't know anyone. So we try to make the the transition very smooth and friendly for them. And that was the really interesting difference that I found is everybody is on WhatsApp, right? There's no, there's not really much of a wall there, Um, you know, so, so, you know, I'm communicating with my lawyer over WhatsApp, which is. Oh, yeah, totally. So which is not during, which is not uh, not something that's very common in Canada. No, but during no. the pandemic, you you had to learn to improvise to make be more accessible remotely. You know, so um, it's it's yeah, it's it's been very interesting how we have to reinvent ourselves, and uh, especially and also as, as professionals, you know, the type of service that we provide. Uh, and being available for our clients and friends through WhatsApp. So yeah, it, I think it was a great tool. Paul, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, well, through my uh, WhatsApp or through my email as well. And um, I don't know if I can say it here or you guys can. Yeah, go ahead, or... say it here. And we'll, we'll also put it in our show notes. Okay, so people well, can get in touch with you anytime. Awesome. Well, uh, my WhatsApp is uh, the area code is 506-8730-0688 or my email address that it's P as in Paul, O-R, 
at lti.legal. So I'll say that again, P-O-R at lti.legal. LTI stands for Law, Tax, and Insurance. So we concentrate, we provide those services, you know, obviously the legal, the tax, we have tax advisors in San Jose and also in the U.S. I'm working, trying to get also advisors from Canada. And so we can do, when clients have questions about tax planning and stuff like that, uh, a lot of estate planning, what do I do, a will or trust, those type of things that we can see in next episodes. And also uh, the insurance, you know, I, I got, I got, tired of chasing insurance agents that didn't speak any English, you know, and I had to translate for them. So I did a joint venture with Interseguros, which is a company from San Jose. It's been in the market for 30 years and they speak English and they provide a great service and they respond emails. So, um, so we, we have done a, a great team and that's what LTI stands for law tax and insurance. So. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, that's perfect. So anyone who wants to reach out to Paul can reach him at the email that he just said or the phone number on WhatsApp and get more information and work with Paul. So thank you. Natasha, how can people get in touch with you? Everybody can reach me by email. My email address is my first name dot last name at gmail.com. That's natasha.coltrero at gmail.com. And people can reach me at rob at mrbreakthrough.ca. Thank you for listening, everybody. And we'll see you on the next show. Thank you. Thank you, guys.